Thank you for joining us here at Life Church. It's an honor to share God's word with you today. Our prayer is that you will connect with Jesus Christ as you hear his word online. We'd love to have you visit one of our upcoming gatherings. For more information, visit us online at www.liferva.org or contact our church offices and we'll be happy to help you in any way that we can. Let's go now to one of our recent services where you can experience a life-giving message from God's Word. Amen. Come on, let's worship Him all over this house right now. Father, we magnify You and bless Your name. Oh, we thank You, Jesus. We thank You. Amen. Maybe you're here today and there's all kinds of things in your life that just have you all bound up. I want you to know today you're in a place that believes the Holy Spirit can break out in your life and begin to tear down walls that have been up for years and years and years, things you've struggled with for long periods of time. In a moment in the presence of God, it can come crashing down all around you as you celebrate Jesus breaking free in your life. I believe that can happen for somebody today. One more time, let's worship him all over this place. Father, we thank you and honor you today, oh God. We bless your name. We thank you, Jesus, for the presence of the Lord that's in this house today. Do your perfect will in this place. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. Amen, amen. It's good to see you here today. Thank you for being here at Life Church this morning. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, thank you, worship team, for leading us into the presence of the Lord. And, uh, we're going to have a good time in God's presence today. I believe that because when we're in the presence of the Lord, it ought to be a time of joy. It ought to be a time of celebration. It ought to be a time of peace. Amen. Uh, well, welcome this morning. If it's your first time here at Life Church, let me just say how grateful we are to have you with us today and to have the opportunity to celebrate Jesus alongside of you. Uh, we know your time is limited and uh, just like everybody else, and you have lots of choices and obligations vying for that time. Uh, so thank you that you chose to spend some of your time with us today. And uh, it's an honor to have you in the presence of the Lord with us. Uh, we're in the final week of a three-week series called Hope Dealers, and uh, we've been talking for the last few weeks about the value of hope. And uh, right now, our world, if you're engaged in the national, state, or local news at all, it's hard to feel a sense of positivity in regards to the nature of our world. Uh, if you can filter through all the noise, for many, there is a sense of despair, a sense of hopelessness that can be felt as people endeavor to navigate the stormy waters of tough economic times, fighting through sickness, disease, diseases we've never even heard of before, and even spiritual storms, right? And in the midst of all the hopelessness, we are called as Christ followers to be agents of hope. We are called to be providers of hope. In essence, we're called to be hope dealers. And so for the first week, we talked about how hope is really the seed of our faith. It is in essence the product of what we have hoped for. Hebrews says that faith is the substance or the thing that makes up, it's made up of the things that we hope for. And so many times our hope is in seed form. We don't know how it's going to come, but because hope produces faith, we plant our seeds of hope into the ground because although we may not know how it's going to come to pass, we know who it is that we have put our hope in. And so the plant grows beneath the surface and we've been waiting for it to break forth. And then when it does, we don't understand how it did it. But we know who has provided the miracle of, of life to come into my hope. <clears throat> in week two, we talked about really the reason or the source of our hope. Why, why should we have hope? Why should we be hopeful for the future, for any good, for God to turn things around? Why should we have hope? Well, the reason for our hope this morning is that we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And even when our circumstances seem bad, because of his love for us, he beat back even death itself to come into relationship with you and I. And because he has a track record of providing, of healing, of delivering, of answering our prayer, responding to our cries, because he is faithful to complete the work that he has begun in us, he know, we know that we can count on him and we can have hope in him because that which he has done, he is able to do and to do again and will continue to do in the future. And so for that, we have hope today. And because he could not be held captive by death, we have hope and we understand that someday we too will shake off the bonds of death itself and celebrate life eternal with Jesus Christ. And because his spirit, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, is alive within us, the spirit we just sing about, because that is within us, even if we do pass from this life, the Bible tells me that one day that same spirit will quicken my mortal body and I will rise to meet him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. That is my hope today. And even as I say it, there's this inquisitive part of my brain that's going, how in the world do you expect people to believe that all that's going to come to pass, right? I mean, you ever think like that? Like, man, that is so far out there that something's going to make a dead body get up and go into the sky. And it sounds like a far-fetched movie. And while I can't tell you how it will happen, I know who it is that said it. And because I know him, I have faith that he will perform it. Because although I don't know how, calling back to week one, I do know who. And Jesus is the reason for my hope. Now, this week, if you have your Bibles or if you want to follow along on the screen, turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 3. When I was a kid, this would have been a real good place for one of those old preacher jokes where the preacher would say, if you don't know where that is, just go to the back of your Bible and start backing up. But with everyone using their phones as Bibles, those jokes really don't work very well anymore. Uh, so instead of turn to 1 Peter, I guess I could say tap to 1 Peter. Uh, tap to 1 Peter chapter 3. However you get there today, let's take a look at 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning at verse 13. It says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. The Apostle Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so I've titled the final message in this series today, Share the Hope. Share the Hope. Let's pray together today. Father, I thank you. I thank you that we're in your house to celebrate you and to to celebrate the fact that you give us a hope that is beyond our ability to dream for ourselves, that you give us hope for a future, God, where we know that our future is settled in you and we can spend eternity in the presence of God. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us today in this house. I pray now that there are those people, God, right now in this place who may be feeling hopeless, but God, I pray that you'd come alongside of them as the Holy Spirit does for each of us, to come alongside of us and to give us hope in the midst of hopeless times. We trust in you in Jesus' name, and we thank you for your goodness and mercy and grace. Do your will in this house today in Jesus' name. So in our passage this morning, the Apostle Peter is writing a letter of encouragement to persecuted Christians living across Asia. At this time in history, Christianity was facing persecution from 
the Romans. They were facing persecution from the Jews. They were getting it from both directions. And in the process, there were many who were dying for the cause of Christ. And so Peter is writing to encourage them to keep going, to not give up their faith in the face of persecution. But he's also trying to encourage them to keep a good attitude in spite of the bad things that were happening all around them. And perhaps there were some who were questioning whether it was worth it to continue to strive to do good. Perhaps there were some who may have been considering just physically fighting back or yelling or demonstrating or making a bunch of passive-aggressive posts on face scroll. Some of you will get that in a minute. So instead, Peter says, hey, who would want to harm you for doing good? I don't understand. Who would want to harm you for doing good? In other words, just continue to do good. Because who would want to bring harm if you're doing good? And then he says, but even in the midst of your doing good, you're going to suffer for doing what's right. But if you do suffer for doing what's right, God's got you. He will reward you. Don't fear their threats. Don't be afraid. But keep Jesus first in your hearts. Always revere or serve him as Lord of your life. And then he makes this amazing statement that really is the foundation for my message today. In part, the foundation for the entire series, he says, in spite of the suffering, in spite of the negativity that may be swirling all around you, in spite of the fear that is being caused by the persecution you're experiencing for Christ's sake, there is something about you that people is, are going to notice. And when all around you the world is burning to the ground and you seem to have a light in your eye, a pep in your step, a reason for continuing forward, Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. Peter says, in spite of the hopelessness of our situation, and the reality is that some of you are going to die for the cause of Christ, and in spite of that hopelessness, be ready and willing to share the hope. Give a reason why you have hope when everybody else doesn't. Give a reason why you are living at a level where you believe God for things that nobody else will believe him for. Give a reason for the hope. And then he adds this great little piece that I wish we'd be quick to remember sometimes. He says, share the hope, but do it with gentleness and respect. How many people have needed the message of hope that we have, but because of the arrogance or the malicious nature of the one doing the sharing, they've been turned off from the message altogether. We don't have to call any names, but you know people like, don't point at nobody, don't do it, don't you? you know people who are sharing the message and they could really use a lesson in humility because that's in the book too right so when I read this information about from the apostle Peter I know that persecution hasn't necessarily touched your street in a physical form you haven't been arrested for the cause of Christ or you haven't been threatened that if you don't shut up you're going to be you're going to be physically assaulted or you're going to be locked in jail or you're going to die but there are people all over our world who are experiencing that And there are many here in America who are feeling the encroachment of the world's system on their freedom to worship. And they are feeling the advancement against them as the message of Christ becomes an anathema to many. It becomes a subject of distaste in the mouth of the politically correct or the vocal minority. And so as we see these changes in our world toward our faith system, our belief in Christ, Christ followers are feeling persecuted against. It may not have touched your doors yet, but it's out there. And according to the Bible, it's going to come. And when it does, there will be many different ways that we react. We will see a myriad of reactions. We see them now. There are those who will want to stand and fight. 
They want to fight politically. They want to fight by boycotting restaurants or certain stores. or They want to fight by becoming vocal or declaring their message louder than the messages that they perceive are against them. They want to fight legislatively. They want to petition the courts or petition their congressmen to pass laws of protection for their rights as Christians. And all of that is fine. And if you're involved in that, God bless you. Thank you for standing up for the rights of others. Thank you. But Peter doesn't encourage the persecuted brothers and sisters to do any of that. Instead, he says, hey, do good. Continue to do good. Even when you're treated badly for doing good, do good. And in so doing, always be prepared to give an account or a reason or an answer for the hope that lies within you. As you do good, be ready to give a reason why you're doing good. Why that hope is driving you to do good in the face of evil. As you're doing good in the face of evil, as you're striving to emulate Jesus in the face of persecution, there will be people who will be like, what is up with you? How do you keep a good attitude when your boss is treating you unfairly? How do you maintain a smile when your coworkers treat you badly? How do you wake up every day with a song in your heart and a blessing on your lips? How, in spite of the pain you feel in your body or the agony you feel emotionally about things that are happening in your family or in the lives of those around you, how do you do it? How do you keep going when everything around you is screaming to stop? How do you manage to stay positive when the world is filled with despair, when the world is filled with hopelessness? What is with you? Well, going back to week one, it's really not about how we do it. It's about who we do it for. Can you say amen? amen? So always be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. Where does your hope come from today? What's the reason for your hope? Can I share with you something that hit me this week? I'm going to do it anyway, so you might as well say yes. <laughs> it's kind of the point of this whole process. So I started thinking. I was wondering why it is that sometimes we aren't always quick to share the hope. Why aren't we more quick to give others the reason that we can be hopeful in the midst of hopelessness? Perhaps it's because we're at a place where maybe we don't feel as hopeful as we once did. Perhaps it's because maybe we've lost sight of all the good things that God is doing around us. Perhaps our eyes are fixed on the world the problems in the world, the negative reporting of all that is wrong in the world, perhaps we've lost sight of our hope. When we lose sight of our hope, we place ourselves in what I'm calling a hope deficit. We all know about the national deficit, right? It's really big. Well, in our hearts, some of us have a really big hope deficit. So we have hope. We have a relationship with the embodiment of hope. But when the world begins to encroach upon us, or it begins to creep into our lives, it begins to crowd out the source of our hope. There's a reason why Peter, just before he tells them to be prepared to give a reason for the hope, he says, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The New Living Translation in 1 Peter 3.15 says, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. He says, you got to put Jesus in his proper place so then you'll be prepared to give an account for the hope that lies within you. We say he's Lord, but really to make him Lord, it takes a little bit more than lip service. It's a total and complete transformation. 
Because to make him Lord, we must surrender our will, our agenda, our plans, our desires, and submit ourselves to him completely, wholly, and unashamedly. And because we are sometimes vacillating somewhere between complete surrender and a shared custody situation, we find our hope begins to waver. Why? Because our faith is being challenged every day. And not in the way that you think. Because most of us immediately think our challenge comes from outside. But really, your faith is being challenged from within. Because when we are not in complete surrender to Christ, when we are vacillating between him being in charge and sometimes me being in charge, then our faith begins to diminish because while God can move mountains and what he's done, he's able to do again, we are seeing the fruits instead of us being in charge. And it doesn't quite seem like God is doing what he's capable of. The only problem is God can't do what he's capable of. Because in our hearts, he's being forced to share first place with us. And so we get God's will if it aligns with mine. We get God's plan as long as it doesn't violate my plan. We get God's desires as long as my desires get met too. We get God is on the agenda, but I got a bunch of things I want to get accomplished as well. And then we wonder why we start to find ourselves in, a, in, in hope deficit, in hope deficiency, and less hope than what we should really have. So Peter says, hey, in your hearts, you have to make Christ Lord. And then you got to be prepared to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. So this is the non-fun part of my message this week. This is the part where I ask you some really tough questions and ask you to consider whether you fully surrendered to Christ or not. Are there parts of your life that you hold back? Are there secret things that you guard from God? Do you submit to this far but no farther? Do you make excuses for yourself as to why you can't get past this thing or this hurt that you got protected in the corner, covered up with a cloth that nobody can touch or get to? Are there parts of you that you shield from the light of Christ lest you be forced to acknowledge that you're holding back from complete surrender. Now before you get all worried today. And think oh God I'm the only one. He's talking to me. He knows. I had somebody come up to me last week. And was like. I don't know how you do it. It's like you've been listening to my phone calls all week. I'm like, I got amazing technology. The truth is. The reason I can talk about this today. And ask you those questions. Because we are all at times in hope deficit. We are all struggling sometimes in the midst of this struggle between us being in charge and God being in charge. And the reason so many of us struggle to share our hope is because we all have all sorts of stuff that we are struggling with ourselves. We're all flawed. I don't know if that's news to you or not. If it is, I'm very sorry to be the one to break it to you. We all got stuff. We're all in some state of needing to completely surrender. We all got something because we're all human. And our humanness is always competing with God's perfection. Our humanity is always jockeying for control, for the throne. It wants to be in charge in your life. 
And so the act of surrender to God, it takes more than just lip service. It's a conscious declaration that God is in charge and God is Lord of my life. And I might have to do that every day. It's not the thing I do one time when I come to Jesus for the first time. It's a decision I make every day to let Jesus be the Lord of my life. That Jesus sit on the throne of my heart. Let Jesus reign and rule over me. There was only one man who had it completely licked. And even his humanity wanted to have the ultimate mission scrapped in the last moments of his life. But he fought the battle and he won when he prayed, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. So how do we increase our hope this morning? How do we increase our hope to the place where we can be prepared to share the hope? If you'll turn or tap, just follow me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning at verse 1. It says, therefore, since we, are, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Isn't that great that Paul says, hey, if we're going to boast in something, we're going to boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know, and I don't know how many of you have noticed over the last three weeks, how many times we see those two terms in Scripture, because we know. Those two letters, those two words, we know. There's something about coming to a place of decidedness to where we can declare we know. And Paul says, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. So I want to share with you something that's not original with me. I read it in a book, and I've also read it in other books, but I think it's so good. Let's call it the hope cycle. This is what Paul says. He says that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. So here's the hope cycle. Suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character, and character produces hope now how does that work so when you go through a tough time you face some stuff you struggle with money or with your health or with a relationship or with your kids and you go through this time of suffering suffering produces perseverance so what's perseverance perseverance is this part of you that won't quit that won't give up that refuses to let this thing that you are suffering with win it's that sense of stick with it i'm going to get through this this too shall pass. And that perseverance works character into us. When I'm suffering through a financial mess that's of my own making and I per- persevere and I work hard to overcome it, it produces character in me and it changes the way I handle money going forward. And that new part of my character then produces hope, hope in myself that I won't make those mistakes again. You see how that works? Suffering, perseverance, character, hope. That's how it works. If it's just about me, suffering, every human in the world, whether they love Jesus or not, this works for suffering produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces hope. Now, what if we interject that cycle with a relationship with Jesus Christ? What if we do what Paul says that we are justified by faith and we put the hope of Jesus Christ into the middle of that, the hope of the glory of God into the middle of that? So I'm suffering with sickness and the doctors have given me a horrible report and I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm suffering. But I'm not going to quit. 
I persevere. I ask God for his help. I ask him to intervene on my behalf. I do my part. I go to the doctor. I do what he says. I go to physical therapy. I do all the things that I can do. But I'm also seeking God for an answer. I do all the things that I can do, but I'm trusting God to do what only he can do. Lord, nothing seems to be working, but I'm trusting you through this illness. I'm trusting you through this suffering. So the suffering is creating in us perseverance. It's creating us a stick with it, a get after it, a keep going and not giving up. And we're trusting God to give us the ability to keep on going. And that perseverance produces in us character because once where the sickness would have sent you into a tailspin and you would have just been ready to die, but because you kept going, you kept moving forward, you refused to quit, it changed your character because you saw God working in the midst of your mess and you saw his hand at work. And so now the character of your character is becoming more like Jesus' character. You're becoming more like Christ every day. Why? Because you're trusting him more. You're submitting to him more. You're looking for him to move on your behalf. You're putting yourself into a proper character and that change in your character produces hope. Hope in what? Hope in the fact that what he's done before and what he did for my neighbor and what he's doing in Robin's life and what he's doing in Buddy's life, he can do in mine too. So the next time I find myself suffering, and you will, it's all, life is a cycle. You get through one thing, someone, one man said, we're all either going into a storm, in the middle of a storm, or coming out of a storm, but that's kind of how life works. Right, And so the next time you find yourself suffering, you see a relationship going bad, you know it's painful, but you're quicker to surrender to Jesus because rather than try to fix it and do it all by yourself, you're asking him for help and you persevere in faith and it continues to work on your character and you begin to believe God even more and your hope begins to rise. And that's what Paul could go on to say, but what he's done He's doing now, and he'll do again in the future. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the thing that he got me out of here, he'll get me out of here, and he'll do it again over here. I can constantly see the work of God working in my life, though I may be suffering right now. It's working in me perseverance. And because I'm persevering, it's changing my character into the image of Christ. And because I'm willing to let my character be changed, I have hope that everything I go through has a purpose, that everything I go through has a plan. Because his hope was inspired by the times that he had overcome his suffering by clinging to God in perseverance, which was shaping him into the character of Christ, which gave him hope. So how does that help us share the hope this morning? Well, you can't share what you don't got. There's a lot of people out there trying to share stuff they don't have. You can't share what you don't have. And so when you go through things, understand there's a purpose in your pain. There's a purpose in your problem. When you go through stuff, if you'll let it, God will use it to create more hope in you and more hope. And suddenly that hope deficit is no longer a problem. you got a hope overflow. And it begins to flow out of you. And people begin to take note because something's different about them. The things that used to derail them doesn't derail them anymore. And you begin to share the hope that Christ has put within you. One of the things I think that's so important that we get out of this whole series today is that your hope is not in your ability your hope is not in what you can accomplish but your hope is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ so when you when I say share the hope what are you giving them what are you giving to others you're giving them hope yes but what you're really giving people is Jesus what our world needs is not more programs 
It's not more financial help. It's not a political agenda. It's not a social fix. All those things are great, and at times we need all of them. But what our world desperately needs, if we're ever to overcome the opioid epidemic, if we're ever to overcome the mental health crisis, if we're ever able to help people that are in the myriad of addictive behaviors that have taken hold of our culture, if we are ever going to help a world that is suffering through so much hopelessness, what our world needs is hope, and we have it. We have hope. We have hope that only comes from Jesus Christ. Peter says in chapter 1 that we, because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we have been given a new birth into a living hope. When we come to know Jesus, we are born again. We're born into Christ, which Peter describes being born into Christ as a living hope. When we come to know Jesus, we are given immediately this infusion of hope. And the reason why I can declare that the world needs hope and we have the hope to give them is because we are born into a living hope in Jesus Christ, a resurrected Savior, a God who shed the brilliance of heaven, robed himself and lived among the squalor of humanity, gave his life for the sins of the world, a world that was undeserving, a world that at its best was still nothing more than filth and rubbish. And he died for us willingly. He was buried, and just as he had declared he would, he rose again on the third day. He rose again that we might have life and have it more abundantly. <clears throat> he rose again that we might also have the hope that we will shed the guilt and the condemnation of our sinful past, that we might be made justified through Christ, that we might be set free from sin. And that this morning, I could stand before you and declare that we have hope, that we have a living hope, a hope that was embodied by Jesus Christ and now lives within us, the hope of eternal life, the hope and the future that he planned for each of us before our lives began. And now, being filled with hope, we have the responsibility to share the hope. Where do we share it? Wherever we are. If you're on the job, it does not matter what the job is. Share the hope. If you're in the neighborhood, if you're at the grocery store, if you are at the mall, the market, the school, the daycare center, wherever you are, Jesus is with you. You are the light of the world in the midst of the darkness. You shine. Share the hope. It doesn't mean I walk with my coffee table Bible, begin to shout down everyone telling them how all of them are going to hell, and I, only I, have the solution to keep them from the flames, that they better turn or burn, that hell's hot and sin ain't right, and you're going to die in your sin if you don't turn it around. I'm not feeling a lot of hope from that. If you will simply live out your faith, you don't have to scream it. You don't have to shout it if you will simply live it. You want to share the hope? You must first live it. Peter says in chapter 2 of his book, 1 Peter, he says, Live such good lives among your unbelieving neighbors that they see the good things you do and will honor God by believing. If we're to share the hope, the first thing we must do is we must live it. If you are filled with hope, it should affect the way you live, to live it out every day. The second thing, if you're after you're living it, living out your hope, living out your faith, faith, you must listen first, then ask questions. Peter says we need to be ready to give a reason for the hope, but the writer of Proverbs says answering before listening is both stupid and rude. I'm going to put it on the screen in a minute because I want you to see it. It's there. Answering before listening is both stupid and rude. We many times are so quick to spout the answers, but many times people just want to be heard. You can get a whole lot farther and share a whole lot more 
if you give them a chance to talk to and you learn to listen. They know plenty of Christians who talk nonstop, who share the hope that they've got. But the reality is, if you want to share hope today, you got to learn to listen. you got to learn to ask questions, to draw their hurt out. And in so doing, you will have the answers that they need. If our worship team would come. The third thing you have to do if you're going to share the hope is you got to share your stories. We said it last week. When John the Revelator looked at the Christ followers at the end of all things, his observation was that they overcame by the blood of the Lamb, which the blood of the Lamb is applied to us when our lives through the process of justification, us becoming like him and our sin being washed away. But we also overcame him by the word of our testimony which is applied to our lives when we share our story. John 9, 25, I love this passage. It says, one thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. This old fella, he'd been blind his whole life. And after he was healed, they wanted to draw him into a, a conversation about trying to make it look like Jesus had done something wrong. And he was like, I don't know anything about all that. The one thing I do know as I was blind, but now I see. There are plenty of people talking about things they don't know anything about. One of the main reasons people don't share their faith is because we've made it so complicated. Acted like you had to have a degree in biblical studies to be able to share your faith. This old former blind man, they were trying to draw him into making those accusations. And all he could say is, you know what? I was blind. Now I can see. That's all I can tell you. I don't know how it happened, but I was blind. Now I see. I don't know how it happened, but I know who I trusted. And in that moment, I went from being able to not see to being able to see. You don't have to feel like you have to give an explanation for every head on the great beast of Revelation and what they mean. God doesn't need you to stand and declare the day of his return or the dangers of hell. What he needs is for you to tell your story. I once was blind. Now I see. I was in prison, but now I'm free. My marriage was in trouble, but now it's whole. I once was sick, but now I'm well. I once was filled with anxiety, fear of my future, but now I'm full of hope and optimism. I once was filled with dread of my sinful past, but now I have a living hope through Jesus Christ. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was blind, but now I see. Share your story. And in so doing, you bring hope to the masses. You deal hope. You deal in a commodity that this world is so desperately in need of. You share hope. Because what you really are sharing is not a four-letter word called hope. What you're really sharing is a five-letter word called Jesus. you'd all stand with me all over this house we're going to do something a little different today uh, I actually want to challenge you if you for a moment they're getting ready to do this song I speak Jesus again and this song I've been listening to probably 500 times this week and that's not an exaggeration I want us to end this series about hope with declarations about what we are speaking over this world and so I'm going to challenge you all to join me in this altar area today. 
if you would feel comfortable doing it. If you don't, you can stay where you're at. But I'd like you to come and join me up here today, if you will, before they begin to sing. Now, come on, you can come now. While you're coming, I know that there are people here this morning who <clears throat> you may say, you know, I hear all what you're saying, but I don't have a relationship with Jesus. And I want you to know you may not have a relationship with Jesus right now, but you're in a good place. Because there's a whole lot of people around you that believe that you can have an amazing life through Jesus Christ. And so before they sing, I want to pray for anyone in here who may not know Jesus yet. If you're here, I just want you to listen to what I'm praying. And you can pray it silently in your head if you'd like. And then we're going to make declarations, everybody else, about our desire to share Jesus with our world. If you'd bow your heads, let's pray for a moment. Father, I thank you for the people of God who come to church today. And I thank you, Lord, that they're here to celebrate you and to celebrate the relationship they have with you. But maybe, God, just maybe there's somebody here today who doesn't know you. They haven't come to know you yet. And I pray right now that your presence would come and touch their life. That they would feel this nudge of hope. That maybe they haven't got it all yet, but... They've been going through some things in life and they're realizing, God, that on their own they can't quite make it. But if they just had you, it might be possible. And so today, God, I see hope in a seed form being planted in their life. And we don't know how it's going to grow, but we do know that you planted it. And so we're going to believe you and thank you to do the work in their life. God, today we surrender ourselves completely to you. Peter said, Lord, if we would surrender to you, if we would revere you as Lord and place you as Lord of our life, then you would fill us with hope so that we could share the hope that is within us. And so today, Lord, we put you first. We place you on the throne of our heart. We invite you to live within us and be a part of us and, and help us, Lord, to keep you as Lord always, God. Not just in the moments when we need you, but Lord always, even in the moments when things are great. And so we trust you now, Lord Jesus. All over this house, we thank you and we believe you. Why don't we lift our hands toward heaven and thank God for his presence. Thank him for what he's doing in here. And thank him, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be in your presence. In Jesus' name. And now I invite you to sing this song with them and make these declarations over your life, your neighborhood, your family.
beginning to break free of some things and if we are ever as a world going to get beyond the place of hope deficit it's when those moments happen that we grab hold of the hope and we hold on to that faith and we begin to walk out of this place declaring hope and faith and declaring Jesus so when you speak Jesus what you're doing is you're literally planting seeds of hope throughout our world speak Jesus on the mountain speak Jesus in the street speak Jesus in the marketplace speak Jesus on your job speak Jesus in the school speak Jesus on your street because when we began to speak Jesus I don't have to tell you doctrine I don't have to beat you over the head with the gospel I don't have to yell at you and tell you you're going to hell if I speak Jesus the love of God will restrain you the love of God will pull you in the love of God will draw you into relationship and so when you talk to your neighbors you don't have to tell them how bad they are and how sin is rotten in their life you don't have to tell them any of that just give them Jesus just give them Jesus live it listen to them ask questions that draw them out share your story and share the hope of God that he's put within your life amen 